Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favorite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalized bet. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365 Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! A mild 13 degrees on the opening day, the Zaki Pookie effect, and the annual managerial breath of fresh air. This is what will definitely, probably, happen in the Premier League in 2020 21. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Access to The Athletic is currently free for 30 days. Go to theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod to sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash cliches pod. Joining me to spoil the 2020-21 Premier League season before it's even begun is Charlie Eccleshare, first of all. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Adam. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Have you ever made any terrible footballing predictions? Um, I mean, I've, I'm sure I've made tons. I made quite a high-profile tennis one a few years ago that I put to paper when I, I wrote a piece in, it would have been May 2016, headlined, Why Roger Federer Will Never Win Another Grand Slam. <laughs> and the following year, he won two. Um, right. And then he added another one the following year. And yeah, it. Uh, yeah, I just got... When he then won the one, he won the Australian Open in 2017. So it was about eight months after I'd written it and just, I've never had kind of abuse and uh, schadenfreude, I quite like it. What are Federer ultras like? That world of like Federer, Djokovic, uh, Nadal, to an extent Murray's super fandom is pretty vicious actually, as as strange (laughs) as that sounds. Well, that's enough tennis. Anyway, uh, Nick Miller, (laughs) also hello. Hello. As we head into the 29th instalment of the Premier League, can anything really still surprise us? A whole season without a manager being sacked. That would that would be surprising, no? Mm. I mean, potentially this this season could be the one. I mean, given given the kind of overall context of 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 what this season is taking place, in perhaps perhaps clubs will be a little bit more inclined to give their managers time. What do you think? Yeah, the, the sort of everyone gets away with it because of the sort of uh, these <laughs> yes. the, the these unprecedented times clause. What is the um, statute of limitations for these unprecedented times? Because I think by sort of March, April, it might we might start to become precedented again. But uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it means for the managerial merry-go-round. But bad news for out-of-work managers, if so. We start as we always do. Actually, this is a bumper edition of the adjudication panel. Charlie and Nick, I really want you to listen to this very closely because this has been bugging me for days. This is the clip that has very much done the rounds this week week from the all or nothing Amazon documentary for Spurs which is Mourinho reacting to some pundits talking aimlessly about his appointment at Spurs and uh, I've come to the conclusion that these pundits aren't real at all. Pochettino leaving Spurs is causing quite a stir on social media. I don't think I've ever seen such 
response to a manager being sacked. It's incredible. Personally, I'm surprised they got rid of him, but I'm more surprised by Joe's company. Is that really the football that Tottenham want to play? I don't agree, to be honest. He's won trophies that every club he's been to. <laughs> You know, Champions League, La Liga, Premier League, everywhere. Now, I'm telling you, Mourinho is past his best. Look what Charlie, where do we start? I mean, the presenter's fairly, fairly real, and then, you, then, and then they, the first pundit they get in is sort of this kind of, wow, yeah, no, I just, I just, I, I, it's basically someone pretending to be a pundit, and and I don't know how perfect they could have got it. Are they meant to be pundits or people? Fo- it sounds more like a radio phone in. They're all kind of studio pundits, with, or maybe, maybe it is a phone in, but even then, it, it still doesn't pass the authenticity test for me. No, I mean, and a lot of it does sound a lot like they're reading off a script in that kind of like, I don't know, for me, I know what you're saying, but he has also done this. Or like the that kind of generic... the presenter voice sounds like it might be on a computer game or something you know one of those yeah. like r- failed management sims that tries to beat <laughs> football manager by being like but more visual or like you know you you get to we, we have like tv pundits and this sort of thing and yeah. it completely doesn't work it, it kind of makes me think of that nick do you think do you think not think this kind of completely undermines the whole idea of a hard-hitting uh, behind the scenes documentary when they're essentially faking an entire scene or what they are apparently faking it. Great revelation that the people might be lying to us, you know? Yeah, people well, not so much are, lying. Uh, it's a bit like Towie. Towie tend to call it embellishing or sort of brushing up certain scenes for our enjoyment. So these things did happen and these people are real, but what they're actually doing is slightly fake. It's, con- yeah, constructed reality. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Um, I just, um, I, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced now that presenters would st- would say something like caused a stir on social media um, <laughs> well it sounds like that- it's it sounds like you know if if there's ever a bit in like a bad soap opera when they've got to talk about sport or something like that it sounds like one of those things that's clearly been written a by someone who doesn't really isn't really familiar with the with the oeuvre and b has written <laughs> it in a rush um that's what it sounded like to me or like we spoke about a few weeks ago with politicians talking about football. It's got yeah. that uh, yeah. that similar level of not quite adding up. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, nice try, Amazon, but we're not fooled. Finally, this this week in, in our little all-encompassing adjudication panel, Michael Owen, Charlie, has brought out his own beer. It's Michael Owen IPA. <laughs> 6%. Annoyed it isn't 13 for the purposes of a very obvious joke. <laughs> and it has the tagline, be the best. Will you be drinking this beer? Would I be curious? I guess, but yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a, a bit of a Michael Owen defender. I think he's a bit of an easy target, so I think <laughs> fa- fair play to him for doing this. And like when I, I wonder, like when he puts that tweet out, is he thinking, "Oh God, the abuse I'm going to get for this"? I mean, that is just like red rag to a bull, isn't it? The, the yeah. amount of kicking he's going to get. But fair uh, play Nick- to him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, the half-hearted marketing that's gone into this, uh, Nick, he's he's had his kind of very mild Victor and Ichibi moment with this tweet because um, he, he tweets, delighted to see that Michael Owen IPA beer is now for sale in China and Hong Kong. Join us in tasting our favourite IPA beer. Happy days. <laughs> <laughs> Happy days. That's a, It's a I lovely like- little touch at the end, isn't it? I like there's no exclamation mark after happy days as well. It, it's just It's quite an understated happy days in, so, in, in quite a Michael Owen way. Happy days, but don't let's get carried away about it. You know? Yeah, in a safe <laughs> yeah. and controlled environment. Yeah, please, like please enjoy this beer responsibly. I quite like that it's, a, it's an IPA because I I enjoy a uh, you know a, a beer that isn't a, a sort of gassy lager, but I find the whole sort of culture of talking about. 
beer and alcohol mm. in general really and over intellectualizing it incredibly boring and the <laughs> fact that this is i fact that this is an ipa and will might get sort of filed along those kind of things it will annoy a certain section of the people which i'm <laughs> fully behind let's move on to the uh, the real subject matter of today's episode which is what is exactly is going to happen in the premier league in 2020 21 which i will say again is a really annoying season to say out loud uh, a real gregorian complaint of mine but um, i'm getting i find it very very hard to say out loud mm. anyway but charlie before we get stuck into various predictions both light-hearted and serious uh all footballing predictions are futile aren't they it's an absolute waste of time yeah i mean they're, they're good though for everyone else's amusement because they will all invariably be kind of silly ones that uh you know that we can look to and uh say we're ridiculous i mean i i know this might be a record quick time for bringing him in but keezy has done a good one <laughs> recently and he did a good one a few years ago saying that everton had won the transfer window yeah. and i think it, it within i think in that tweet he also said it wouldn't surprise him because of them winning the transfer window if uh, they finished above liverpool and obviously that transfer window turned out to be one of the most catastrophic in recent memory. Coleman was sacked within a couple of months. Mm. Uh, that was a good one. There was an, uh, on that transfer theme as well, the summer that um, City signed Sergio Aguero 2011 and one journalist tweeted something like, I know there's been a lot of fuss about uh, Aguero joining City, but for me, the signing of the summer is Charlie Adam to Liverpool. <laughs> and uh, it's fair to say they've gone on fairly different trajectories those two since the only way to approach this is to take it month by month really and uh well cue premier league years theme tune Yes, uh, Nick never has a piece of music more perfectly embodied the uh, practice of going through a season month by month than that. I, I feel like it's, um, it's like Enya on steroids. I get a sort of Pavlovian reaction to this of someone being disappointed in me because when, <laughs> when, whenever on the you know, multiple occasions that I have watched that, my partner just kind of rolls her eyes. And <laughs> this, is this? Is it? I, I thought there wasn't any football on today. No, this is oh. this is Premier League years nineteen ninety four, ninety five. You watch football oh, from no. the past. Yeah, yeah. No. Oh God, having to explain Premier League years to yeah. a non-believer—that that—that's the depths. We're going to try and hire Georgie Thompson for this episode, but she's just too goddamn expensive these days. So uh, you have to make do with me. The problem with Premier League years, I guess, th this year, Charlie, is that there won't be an August. We have to start in September. That feels wrong, mm. doesn't it? Yeah, I'm, I feel really disorientated because mm. I keep the, the. I know the new season's approaching, and so I feel like it is August, and and yet it isn't. Yeah. So a big no. readjustment. No, no, we've, we, I'm glad we've established that. Uh, Nick, opening day cliches. I mean, we, we talked recently, uh, wait, too recently, if anything, about closing day closing day of the season cliches and what goes on on that balmy final day of the season. But what do you look for on an opening day? Hope and hope and dreams, presumably. Yeah, hope and dreams, kind of innocent looks of uh, you know optimism on the faces of fans, usually possibly kind of newly promoted fans. Um mm. Managers shielding their eyes from the sun. I don't know mm -hmm. why why that sp Niche. particularly sp springs to mind, but you, you just kind of think. I mean, these 
presumably these guys have been doing it for a while, just buy some sunglasses or something. <laughs> Although, yeah, I don't, I don't see many managers in sunglasses. Ditto goalkeepers. You could get sort of wraparound glasses. Why don't they wear them? Maybe this this is all a kind of uh, a consequence, sort of a follow-on from Steve McLaren with his umbrella. Any sort of yeah. accoutrement that uh, a manager will have on the sideline is ripe for sort of inexplicable m- m- mockery. I think there'd be a lot of Oakleys amongst that kind of oh, Premier yeah. League ma- yeah. managers, especially the British ones. Guy she's an Oakleys man. Definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if Jose Mourinho, just going back to the, the, the clip earlier on, if he's got anything to go by, they will have a chain on the, the sunglasses as well. Mm. A kind of bit of string to hold them on if uh, things get too rowdy. Yeah, Mourinho's a transitions lenses kind of guy as well. Uh, that, that's 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 where he that's the territory he's ventured into. Um, finally, on opening day cliches, I, I, one opening day once, I'd just like to see someone with a radio pressed against their ear, earnestly trying to out the scores from elsewhere because they're like, "Well, this result means just as much as the one on the final day," and I want to know. So yeah, I'd like to see some more final day cliches appearing on the opening day on the um, the opening day cliche of it, the, the, it being usually august and glorious sunshine i've had a look at the long range weather forecasts um hmm. and uh, the opening game of the season's fulham arsenal i'm afraid the forecast is for a mere 12 degrees on that day so wow. um we're, oh we're gonna God. see the, the the rarely spotted sight on the opening day of coats i think Oh, God. I thought you That's were going awful. to say then that you'd you'd done an audit of all previous. Uh, I was going to say since records days. began. Yeah, to see if to see if that myth uh, stood up. It's got to be up there or down there, surely. Coldest I, opening degrees. day ever. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that I, would that would be. I mean, that have that have been the odds. I, I remember 2013-14, I remember that not being a particularly nice one. I can vividly imagine getting a PR email about this in the next two weeks. September opening day is going to be the coldest ever, according <laughs> on to record. our partners, completely unrelated other company who don't normally talk about weather. I feel October time, so the second, going into the second month of the season, assuming that this mega deal goes through, I feel like that could be where our fever for Lionel Messi in the Premier League could well come to its peak. I feel like... It's inevitable that he's going to get a couple of weeks off just to get a match fit. We're going to be sort of teased for his debut, Charlie, before he actually appears. And then Lionel Messi in the Premier League, it's a real test for our football chat, Lionel Messi in the Premier League, Charlie, because this is the last kind of signing that will ever blow our minds. I'm convinced of that. And we're really going to have to up our game. You mean there can never be anyone as big... Was in on well, Messi arriving in the Premier League. Well, given that we've run out of superlatives for Lionel Messi, how can how can we how can we talk about him as a, as a new signing in in a sufficiently um, wowed way compared to I don't know, say like Rodrigo signing for Leeds? <laughs> yeah, there'll be a lot of new angles though to look at. Where, I mean, because everything's going to be a fur. There'll be so many novelties with him. You know, his first. I mean, what I, there isn't really a Stoke. Obviously, there isn't a Stoke anymore in the Premier League. There's probably an equivalent and all of that sort of thing. So I think there'll be lots of fertile ground for discussion on, you know, his his, his first goal in the Premier League. The first, I mean, I can just see now that him so clearly his first substitute appearance as he walks up looking around quite seriously with Guardiola like shouting things in his ear and him not really taking them in <laughs> getting handed a laminated folder of set pieces yeah so this. much to look forward to I didn't it. come here for 500 million to get shown a laminated folder of set pieces Nick Scott Broadhurst says every summer since the dawn of Twitter we have uh, sages saying such a club has won the transfer market this summer, it's already Chelsea taking that mantle. It almost never pans out. Loads of transfers usually take time to bed in. One theory is that Manchester City could automatically win the transfer window just by signing Lionel Messi. But um, is winning the transfer window a thing? It seems to be more slightly, more recently, since it seems to be about sort of losing. People 
preemptively saying someone has lost the transfer window. The trope has now become a promoted side spends more than about 40 million quid and suddenly they're doing a Fulham or or doing a, an Aston Villa, which um, the second one of those is particularly weird considering they stayed up. But yeah, it, it's a, I think you less than perhaps, you know, Chelsea have won the transfer window. You'll get a lot of people saying that Leeds, you know, having bought three players or whatever it is they have now or already, you know, doing an Aston Villa, doing a Fulham. It's sort of... I don't know. If you wanted to get sort, of, if you wanted to over intellectualize it, you could say it was it's a kind of symbol of how social media has become more snidey and more kind of negative about everything that they want to point out when someone has fucked up rather than when someone has um, sort of someone has done something well. Bring back the noble art of quietly going about your business in the transfer window. I say, going under the radar. Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to Beer52.com forward slash athletic and pay the postage of £4.95. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of our show, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's ten free beers. Beer52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. The beauty of Beer52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands and they deliver your beers straight to your front door. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack is thrown in too. Just go to beer52.com forward slash athletic to get your free case and don't forget right now, listeners get two extra free beers. This horribly condensed Premier League season, we're going to see transfer deadline day, the official harbinger of winter, which is Yellow Ball Day, and and Halloween, all, all all in the same all in the same sort of space of about three weeks. Halloween, of course, is the first opportunity for headline writers and goals roundup narrators to to make a shoehorn seasonal reference. Charlie, any Halloween favourites for football? <laughs> I mean, it's it's generally that you know, given a scare and that sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, uh, trick yeah, and right. treat, I guess. If there's, yeah. uh, if you can go with that in, I remember that there was a, a, a kind of list of the scariest footballers. You would quite often get that around. around <laughs> oh no! With a trifle even of prominent obviously yeah halloween might be the cheapest seasonal reference of all but we will be covering them all in due course over the over the course of these two episodes and there's a full saturday premier league fixture list on halloween this year so fingers crossed for some belting halloween references into november and this is where we get very premier league years because november the third we have the u.s election results which which will force us to kind of pivot swiftly but cleverly back to football chat as soon as we possible i think the only way to do this is to play out of control by the chemical brothers as one leader um, <laughs> was re-elected to his job back in the Premier League, someone uh, lost their role as head of something. That's probably how it would go. Anyway, I feel like November, Nick, is where the sack race is really going to take effect. Uh, t- listener Tom Barnaby writes in, it says, a manager will be sacked and people won't think it's fair. Is it? There is a weird sort of sentimentality to, to sacked managers, especially when it comes sort of early season. They feel like they're really hard done by, as if it's something that's terrible to be sacked from a from a job that's probably going to get you a massive payoff. Yeah, it's sort of, I think it's part of it's kind of folded into sort of the nostalgia thing of the idea that managers weren't sacked in the past, or at least they were only sacked of you know f- after four seasons of terrible results rather than you know twelve <laughs> games or something like that. But everyone's I mean, it, it kind of feels like that there is a sort of correlation between 
sucking season and the and the 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 changing of the weather. So you know, right. Uh, October in a normal season, October November time, you know things got start getting a bit colder and grimmer, and managers start getting sacked. But I don't know, we're going to have to recalibrate this this year because you know it's going to be cold and grim by the sort of fourth game of the season. So I'd be very interested to see a a sort of scatter graph of meteorological conditions and manager sackings because I think you might be onto something here. Charlie, as the potential for a few managers leaving us comes around November, I feel like November, or at least three season, three months into the new season, is where we start to declare our managerial breath of fresh air, which is only for managers. I'm convinced of this. Um, but we're in a bit of a pickle this season because there are no... The only debutant Premier League manager this season is Marcelo Bielsa. And I can't see anyone sort of thinking, of him, oh, he's been a real breath of fresh air, Marcelo Bielsa. Well, I think that might be because we're so close to football and you know I, th- I think f- and, and obviously for us Bielsa is a huge name and huge deal it might be yeah. some you know f- for those who watch it more casually and aren't you know so familiar with his work it might be uh I, I think he could be breath of fresh I mean you can imagine a kind of football focus feature with him <laughs> yeah you know sort of get you know getting a, a glimpse behind Leeds's crazy Argentine coach and you know he kind of takes you in I'm gonna to have to challenge you on this because I, I, to me, the criteria for for being the managerial breath of fresh air, the one and only breath of fresh air for every particular Premier League season, it, the criteria are very narrow. It's basically giving jovial post-match interviews, and that's it. And Bielsa doesn't really specialise in that, does he? No, but he has his quirk. He has plenty of quirks, doesn't he? That that can be easily picked up on. Yeah. Um, so so maybe that will be enough to to get him into that coveted breath of fresh air territory. Yeah, taking the taking the title off Chris Wilder from last season, Nick. Well, maybe the breath of fresh air is, it will be Marcelo Bielsa's translator, um, uh-huh. <laughs> who he could, you know he stands next to him dutifully, um, translating his his words into English a sentence at a time. A little bit tricky to get a kind of proper flow going for the the, the you know light-hearted banter with Jeff Shreves, but it's possible, <laughs> I suppose. What's the thinking there, Bielsa? And then Bielsa brings out a two-hour PowerPoint presentation for Jeff Shreves. That would uh, potentially wonderful pre-match interview potential there. Nick, Jack, listener Jack Pierce uh, shoehorns this into our November reckoning. He says some form of poppy-based hysteria will occur between roughly the 24th of October all the way through to Remembrance Sunday. I feel like poppy hysteria day gets earlier every year, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, as the kind of uh, attempts to uh, for, for various places to sort of out poppy each other gets mm. bigger and bigger much like uh, like uh, last season i was at a, um, a leicester game around sort of vaguely november time i don't know exactly <laughs> when it was and it doesn't really matter but there were there, there was an actual tank outside the ground <laughs> which which seemed to which I, I think was part of some kind of slightly sinister um, British Army recruiting station. It was like it's like they're kind of trying to guilt the young men and women of Leicester to sign up for you know, um, you know the the brave boys in the First World War died for your freedom or whatever. So the least you can do is you know after you've gone and bought your Leicester shirt, sign up for the British Army. Sounds like a very heavy duty approach to Remembrance Sunday. I thought you, I thought the story you actually were going to come out with was the mascot dressed dressed as a poppy, which I thought was pig poppy. I didn't think we could get any more poppy than that, and it turns out we already have. So uh, this season has a lot to live up to. I don't know where poppy hysteria can go. Wouldn't it be great if every clothing store you shopped at had only your size, the styles you like, and everything at the price you want? Well, Stitch Fix is a company focused on doing just that. It's an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes you love simple. 
It's a completely different way to shop, and it's all about you. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk slash cliches to set up your profile, and they'll deliver great looks personalised just for you. You'll pay a £10 styling fee for each fix, which is credited towards anything you keep. Schedule at any time with no subscription. Delivery and returns are completely free and easy, so you can always send back items that aren't right for you. Get started with Stitch Fix today by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash cliches right now. Into December, which is a- another mini Premier League phenomenon to, to, for us to analyse, which I um, researchers have called it, uh, Nick, the Zaki Pookie effect, mm. which I think um, by the fourth month of the season, a an, an upstart striker has scored 12 goals in 10 games before inevitably fading. Uh, this is presumably an XG thing. I'm looking down my list of fantasy Premier League striker potential signings, and I'm not. I'm not looking. I can't really see a Zaki Puki effect candidate here. No, I, I was having trouble with this. Uh, with this earlier on, I was I, again. I was looking. Maybe it's just because um, teams haven't had quite as much time to to sign someone new. Mm. Um, the promoted teams, there's, I mean, uh, uh, maybe the, the most freak, most likely um, candidate is Patrick Bamford at Leeds. I did who's think sort about of, him. Yeah, but he, he, you know, he was kind of he, much maligned in the championship for being a striker who didn't really score many goals, but yeah. sort of beloved of Bielsa. So yeah, I, I can see him scoring, you know, four goals in the first five games or something Are like that. You're bringing a threshold down for Patrick Bamford to, what, four in three? yeah. Yeah, you know, bursting onto the scene. <laughs> Could Mitrovic do it for Fulham? Yeah, I, mean, I was thinking about Mitrovic, but then he's been in the Premier League before. He is so known, when you, yeah. It can only be two things. It could be a new foreign import who people people know about him, but is still untested in the Premier League, or someone just promoted from the Championship and this is their first taste. And the only candidate I can think of is perhaps Rodrigo at Leeds, who, despite being an international striker, it, 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 it would appear to be a toss of the coin about whether he can do it in the Premier League. I think he's got maybe eight in six in him at the start of the season. That's that's And then not scoring any more after that. Mm. You, yeah, those soccer-based strikers you look at and you just see that huge, great gap as you kind of scroll <laughs> yes. down as, uh, as, as the clock It's stream. always soccer-based. There will be no better website than, than assessing a, a striker's goal drought than just looking at soccer-based and seeing when those football symbols stop and start again. Yeah. It's a truly wonderful site. We're going to round off December here with perhaps the only reason I wanted to do these, this double pair of episodes, which is to bring you a short film uh, to close us for part one, which is every reference to Christmas in Match of the Day goals roundups from 1992 to 1999. The gate was only just about enough for a decent carol concert. What are Sheffield United doing? Now Christmas is coming. Celebrating three points against Everton, that's what. Ewood Park isn't exactly Santa's grotto. Liverpool are enjoying a Merry Christmas. It wasn't all yo-ho-ho at Leicester. Christmas games are all about having a go and not being frightened to make a fool of yourself. One or two really got into the spirit at the Dell. The referee's assistant not on the Villa Park Christmas card list. Villa's Boxing Day was as flat as leftover champagne. It was Chelsea who provided the festive fizz. And referee Stephen Lodge made sure he wouldn't be receiving a Southampton Christmas card. But just as Norway sends London a Christmas tree, so it provided Southampton with some seasonal cheer. Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm off to spend a week on a farm. See you next week for part two. Mm-hmm.